the crypt. Fracture Skulls, we're back. We took a, a, a week off of a hiatus, but we're back with a brand new episode. Terminator Tribes alongside Monoxide. How you doing this fine evening, sir? Eh, I guess I can't complain. It's a Saturday night. I'm filled up on my favorite Dr. Pepper. Watched a, another Tales of the Crypt movie. Want to play Elden King, as I've heard very good things about that game. That seems to be where I am right now. How about your fine self? You know, feeling cute. You know, might might stop at a at a funeral parlor later. Maybe a, maybe a whorehouse would be in the basement. Have a good time. What about a funeral whorehouse parlor? Have a little bit of combination of both. Kind of like uh, when you... yeah. Think about it like this: It's like uh, Taco Bell and KFC. They're like together, jointed. It's a funeral home slash whorehouse. Yeah, a Dunkin' Donuts, uh, Baskin Robbins. Yeah, while while you're getting in tune with uh, celebrating the life, you're also getting it off with another whore. Yeah, you know they're gonna eat my heart out. Hmm. Eat my heart and something else. Yeah, a little deep throat there, huh? Yeah, we're making a lot of puns here, but you know that that's that's the crypt keeper. And there were yeah, puns. talking about uh, Taco Bell and eating tacos. Ah, <laughs> a little ice cream, a little yogurt, <laughs> a little throat yogurt there. Yeah, you want some uh, whipped topping? Not on not on Saturdays. <laughs> Always Sunday mornings. Sunday, <laughs> Sunday mornings. Oh my God. Yeah. Okay, we're done. We're done. We're going to get to the film. <laughs> yeah, uh, today's film discussion we have is Tales of the Crypts, Bordella Blood. 1996 horror comedy directed by Gilbert Adler. Starring Dennis Miller. I believe in his only starring role in his career. I thought I saw him in something else. He's done other movies. He's done, uh, what's that film? Joe Dirt. Mm-hmm. He did that movie, The Net, with Sandra Bullock. Uh, I know he's done other stuff, but he's never had a starring role. This was his first and only starring role, and he got paid about a, about a million dollars, which is insane because no other studio would ever pay that kind of money just to get Dennis Miller in a movie. I, mean, I guess not, but other than um, Corey Feldman, I'm not sure if I know many of the people here. I mean, uh, it says here William Sadler played he was the, the mummy. mummy. Yeah. And then you had the cameo of Whoopi Goldberg. Yep. I get you little cameos in there. Uh, co-starring Erica Laniac, who most fans may know her from uh, Baywatch. And she had a topless scene in Under Siege, the Steven Seagal movie. And we got Angie Everhart. Um, she's done many great films, like uh, uh, The Substitute 3. Ah, classic. And, of course, Chris Sarandon. Come on! Fright Night! Funny you mention, uh, Eric, uh, uh, how do you pronounce her name? Ellie Niak? Yeah, sure, let's go with that. So, anyways, right before we watched this movie, uh, I went to watch on TV E.T., the extraterrestrial, and found out that she was in that movie as well. She yeah, played, she was. She played the girl that Elliot makes out with in the class and has a crush on which was quite a weird ironic thing that we were watching et and then we come to watch this film and realize she was in that 
I totally forgot about that. Yeah, she was an ET. It's just strange because ET is one of my favorite films of all time, and then we just go into this with that weird connection. It's just an interesting little anecdote. Well, is this your first viewing of uh, Bordello Blood? I would assume so. Yeah, because I never got to really watch Tales of the Crypt growing up. But from what it seems like, Tales of the Crypt just seems to be a more comedic and adult version of Are You Afraid of the Dark? Yeah, that's that's a pretty good comparison. I guess I'm afraid of dark goosebumps. It's, uh, it tries to balance horror and comedy. And for the most part, I think it does pretty well at that. I think it, uh, Demonite did a very good job at that. And mm-hmm. it has horror, has your comedy, and you know a nice solid, solid cast just to tie it all together, and, and a little solid backstory. And I felt that uh, you had a solid movie, and Demonite was successful in the box office, uh, made enough money for the studio to go ahead with their planned trilogy. And as we mentioned in our last video, the next film was supposed to be uh, Fat Tuesday, it was supposed to be a New Orleans zombie film, but uh, they felt that there's more horror than comedy, and they just couldn't get uh, balance it out correctly to the point they scrapped it. And they had another film lined up called Body Count, which I believe, as I mentioned, to be like an action retelling of the Frankenstein uh, story. Uh, they scraped those two films and instead went with this one, Bordello Blood. Uh, Robert Zemeckis and Bob Gale got story credit. They did a, a rewriting of the script just to give it more of that Tales in the Crypt feel to it. Uh, Al Katz and Gilbert Adler, who also directed. Uh, Bob Gale, Robert Zemeckis, I mean, again, two big names. They wrote the Back to the Future trilogy. They wrote 1941, which Steven Spielberg ended up directing. Uh, this was a story they wrote back in college in the early 70s. Uh, hoping that it would be uh, uh, an exploitation film. Uh, basically, it was just, how do you, what's this about? A whorehouse full of vampires. And this was something they just put together just to kind of get their footing in the door in the film industry. I mean, of course, you know, they eventually did. I mean, Zemeckis came powerhouse of a director. He did uh, Back to the Future, all three movies. He did Who Framed Roger Rabbit. And he did one of your favorite films, Forrest Gump. That is a very excellent film. It's uh got one of my favorite lines he meets up with the president after drinking 15 bottles of dr pepper saying i gotta go pay one of the greatest things you could say to the current president of the united states gotta go pay not realizing the ramifications of you meeting the current president but yeah um where do we start with this so if you're a fan of tales of the crypt it's pretty much like it, it, I don't know if it necessarily starts off like that. It starts off like any other film would, where a bunch of people go into a tomb thinking that there's going to be some sort of treasure where everybody's going to benefit. But the uh, small guy, what's Vincent? Yeah, uh, I was going to say Vincent here. The guy who plays him, Bill, Bill Bonda Caro. I was wondering, was he in Jingle All the Way? No, that is not the same guy. Oh, shit. I know, I know who you're talking about. Yeah, it's not the same guy. He did play an Ewok in Star Wars, and I think Dennis Miller even called him an Ewok in, the, in this film. So anyways, he lures them in thinking that there's treasure, but actually what he has is the four pieces of a heart for the vampire uh, Lilith. Lilith, played by Angie Everhart. And he wanted to bring the pieces together so that he can resurrect her. And 
she comes back to life to devour all the hearts of everybody that's to so that we get to the lead where the mummy and the crypt keeper are in a restaurant and that's where they're playing rock paper scissors and whoever loses has to lose a limb but that's where we get to the crux of this story where i have uh, this film did not start off with the famous tales in the crypt intro right it started off with with raiders of the lost ark right is a lost ark type of deal yeah uh the mummy is played by william sadler he makes his return right. in more of a cameo role here uh they kind of did this skit in one of the uh early in one of the the assassin episode of tales in the crypt where william sadler reprises grim reaper character based and doing the same exact shtick that they did here they play rock paper scissors and whenever they lose they lose a limb Mm -hmm. they basically just recycled that material instead of Sadler playing the Grim Reaper he's just playing the mummy but unfortunately yeah. the only uh, this is the most we get out of William Sadler in this film but hey a little William Sadler is better than none he's a talented man I always like every, everything he's in I should also mention that uh, Vincent who resurrects Lilith has the same key from Demon Knight and what is the connection this film has to Demon Knight zero it's just a recycle prop they wanted to use for all three films that uh, they originally had planned. So the key makes his return is to keep Lilith in line. And that's really it. I think the key was better utilized in the other film. Right. This key really didn't mean much in this film. So, as I said, we get the intro with the, t the Crypt Keeper and the Mummy. And then that's when we get into the film where... Catherine is having a fight with her brother, Caleb, played by Corey Feldman. Corey Feldman, this, this isn't his first time in the vampire genre. Yeah. The thing that amazed me is that Corey Feldman is standing next to certain individuals, and Corey Feldman's not a tall person. He's like five and a half foot, maybe five five at best. And yet he's taller than most of the cast that he was around, which is kind of weird, considering he's not tall. So a little interesting thing. But they get into an argument. She does, He wants to go out and have some fun. She doesn't want him to because uh, Catherine's one of those, uh, I wouldn't say born against, but she's like a hardcore religious person. Similar to that of... Uh, what was that? Helen Black from Devil Doll from Hell. Black Devil Doll from Hell that we reviewed on this show. Go check it out. Yeah, she so, works for, yeah, uh, I mean, you later learn that Catherine works for a uh, ministry or for uh, a reverend. And so Caleb just wants to go out and have fun. So he's out with his friends and some random vampire. Not really explicitly said he's a vampire, but he pretty much lures them to what we talked about earlier. A funeral home slash... Whorehouse. Can we talk about so, this guy? Uh, what about him? Just the way he talks and delivers his line. I hear you guys are looking for sex. You want some of the best sex that'll knock your socks off in the goddamn world? Sounds like Luna Vachon in a way. If anybody gets that reference, that's that's what he sounded like to me. By the way, the guy uh, Corey Film is hanging out with is a character Reggie played by Matt Hill. For any fans of Cartoon Network, Matt Hill voices Ed in Ed, Ed, and Eddie. 
Wait, which Ed? Regular or Double D? Uh, regular. The dummy. Oh, the one that's like, Hello, Eddie. Hello, Eddie. Hello, Light. Hello, Light. Yeah, he, uh, that's uh, Ed, Matt Hill. I mean, this film was shot in Vancouver, so you have a lot of Canadian actors. And Matt Hill's Canadian, so, and they film Ed and Eddie in Vancouver, or at least that's where all the voice actors come from. Well, there you go. Well, they, two of them at least go to this whorehouse. And the way they get to this whorehouse is they go into this building and then they have to go inside a casket, which goes over a fire, goes into another room, and that's where all the whores and all the patrons are. The thing is, though, is that both people, Corey Feldman's character Caleb and his friend, become victims because these are actually vampires devouring the hearts. And it's at this point that the rest of the film, Catherine realizes for days that Caleb has not returned home and she looks for help with the police and the police are giving her the runaround and that's when she goes to Dennis Miller's character, Mr. Gutman. Rap Gutman, he's a uh, PI, private investigator, and he offers his services to Erica Laniac. Now I have to ask you, what did you think of Dennis Miller in this movie? Uh, the fact that he only had one business card that he had to always take back from the people that he handed it to is quite interesting. Um, Dennis Miller, he reminded me of somebody, but I can't put my finger on it. Who was that guy that, in the TV series Glow, he was the, the promoter of the com- company that he was running? That actor, Mark Marin. Mark Marin, look-wise, they look the same. But, obviously, even personality-wise, they both came off like smart asses. He didn't bother me one bit. Nobody here really bothered me, to be honest, if that's what you're asking. Well, did you like Dennis Miller as a leading guy? Did you think he was good? It didn't bother me one way or the other. I mean, if it would have been somebody else, I think they could have done just as good of a job, maybe. Well, because for me, he was the highlight of the movie. Yeah. I, I thought he carried this film. But behind the scenes, he was a nightmare to work with because he was just... You could say good morning to him, and he can be like, eh. <laughs> good morning, Dennis. Eh. <laughs> Feldman has went public with saying that Dennis Miller is the worst guy he's ever worked with. I've heard the same be said with Mike Myers. Like, he could be a little bit whiny on set, but that's because Mike Myers is, like, super, super perfectionist. So... Most of the people that have complaints about Mike Myers and working with him is due to the fact that the dude is like a complete perfectionist and he has to have everything done exactly right. But then there's also um, Stanley Kubrick, who will make a woman have to redo a screaming take 127 times. It's a little bit much. Or um, Charlie Chaplin, where he basically made a girl do a scene that involved eating something and do that over and over and over again to the point where she's like, I'm full. Like, if I eat another bite, I'm going to freaking throw it up. And he's like, oh, come on, one more time, one more time. Or Vin Diesel. How many people have complained about working with him? Yeah, I know at the time, Dennis Miller, he had his HBO show, Dennis Miller Alive. So the crew, the filming crew had to work on weekends because that's when Dennis Miller was available. And then their weekends were basically Mondays and Tuesdays because that's when Dennis Miller had to leave the set to go film his Dennis Miller uh, live show. So I know the the film crew wasn't happy about that. Uh, there were times he didn't want to film some scenes. He just I just want to be my trailer. And then um, and when the actresses Erica and Angie had to do scenes with Dennis Miller's character, they would have like a stand-in, and they so weren't wait. weren't too happy. About that. 
why hire the guy if he's got a TV show that he's got to do? Uh, because one of the producers, Joel Silver, really wanted Dennis Miller and paid him a million dollars to be in it. And Dennis was like, yeah, I'll take, I'll get paid a stupid amount of money to do this movie. Okay, so then why not have it in the contract that you have to fulfill your commitments here before going back to your TV show? I don't know. I, I, I don't I, I mean, they knew about his filming schedule. What 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 is this show that he does? Is it like uh it's like a talk, a talk show? show? It's like, yeah, it's like Bill Maher. All right, so then yeah, there's no off time from the show. But why hire a guy if he's already got commitments elsewhere where he's got to be there at a certain point? It doesn't make any sense why you would hire a guy if you know he's got prior commitments that are going to be conflicting, and then have the audacity to be upset that he's got to go do that. Well, I mean, the one that gave him the job, Joe, uh, Joel Silver, he's a action producer. He produces all like the big action movies from the late 80s, early 90s, Die Hard. He did all, he's responsible for all that. He wasn't around on set. I mean, this was filmed in Vancouver. He's all the way in LA. All he all does right. is get a phone call just to get progress report. All right. Well, then all I'll say is the people who are upset that he's got to go back to do his show, get upset at the person that was so gung-ho on hiring this guy. Yeah, and um, the actress Lilith, uh, Angie Everhart, had no acting experience prior to being cast in this film. And the only reason she got casted was because she was dating Sylvester Stallone at the time. And uh, what did Sylvester Stallone have to do with this film? Um, he's friends with Joe Silver. Ah, okay. Now and, it he all... recommended, and he recommended her for the part of Lilith. And uh, as for um, Erica Laniac, she, was, she just quit Baywatch because she wanted to be taken more serious as an actress. And didn't want to be known as, like, sex appeal. I'm so happy you chose a Tales of the Crypt movie to show everyone that you can be serious. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> of all movies, to really bring that out. It's it's almost as weird as when Jim Morrison didn't want to be noted as a sex symbol. He wanted to be known as a writer. So what did he do? He just, like, ate a lot and got himself fat and gained a beard. Or beard. Beard. So very counterintuitive to what you're doing yeah uh they even do you remember the scene where dennis miller the first meets up with her he kept saying you look familiar have we met before uh yeah i did see that what about it well there is uh they had to change um they had to change up the writing because erica had certain demands she has <laughs> since disclaimed like you know well, that didn't happen but her character was supposed to be an ex-porn star okay ex-porn star I, I i guess i would eventually you know led to her finding guy which is why she you know is where she is there's a scene where she's in dennis miller's his, his office his little theater or wherever you know he has his pi office and she's looking at this thing chubby old tool that was supposed to be her porn star name that's how dennis miller knew who she was mm -hmm. <laughs> he used to watch her <laughs> pornography. okay but they're right. cutting that scene out they ended up cutting that scene out, but keeping that scene in. For what reason? They just kept it in there, and there was never no real. There was no follow-up. That's him saying, "You look familiar," and then that was kind of it, because Erica didn't want that layer to her character, her being an ex-porn star, because she doesn't want to be known as a sex symbol, since she's because that's what she's been known throughout the whole early '90s. She did Baywatch, she a topless scene under siege, and she wouldn't be taken more serious as an actress. She didn't want to be eye candy. So, 
There's a lot of drama on set. <laughs> so what, what's not making sense to me is that you have a scene that correlates to a previous scene that's very vital that that scene be there for this scene to make sense. But yet you remove that previous scene, but still keep that other scene that would only make sense if that previous scene is in the movie. Stupid. Anyways, so... Caleb wants uh, to help out, so he shows her a business card, but then asks for it back because he can only have one business card, and it's like a business card that's been abused like no tomorrow. Go back to his uh, little office, and then he wants to charge her 150 bucks a day, and she is about to brush him off, and he's like, okay, I'll give you a brother discount, I think he, he referred to it as. So he said, "Okay, just make it seventy-five or whatever." And he and he starts doing his investigating. He uh, went to the bar that he hangs out with with his friends, and for some reason, his one one of his friends was acting like a complete dick to Dennis. You try to ask him questions, he'd be like, "Fuck off!" He's trying to play yeah. pool. And he... <laughs> well, Dennis Miller's character kind of fucked up here too, because all he had to say was Caleb's been missing, and maybe he could have got more answers. Well, no, he did say it to him. He says, well, he, I mean, he didn't say it in that way. He said it in the Dennis Miller way. He said, hey, you know, hey, pal, your friend's been missing. You know anything about him? Know where he can be, huh? huh? Dennis Miller does a lot of improv in this movie. You're getting you're getting Saturday Night Live Dennis Miller. Some people may like it. Some people may not. Me, I personally liked it because I thought, he, I thought his improv worked for the movie. I thought he was funny. Right. Well, improv works fine if you have a movie that doesn't cut out vital scenes that would then them being gone from the film would later have a scene that just contradicts everything. So anyways, he gets the information that he needs. He goes to the house and some funerals going on. He's sitting there and he sees this, the, the same vampire that introduced them. The uh, one that sounds like Luna Vachon. Yeah, um, Luna, he's pouring like sunblock all over his arm, not realizing, oh, wait, he's a vampire, sunblock. That's mm-hmm. kind of clever. Okay. I don't, I don't think I've seen that in a vampire movie yet. Except yeah. Where vampires use sunblock to get around during the daytime. But one, so, thing, one thing Dennis Miller notices when he's at the funeral parlor, he uh, the person that passed away, he notices that just like six or eight guys carrying that single casket. And he's wondering, like, God damn, how much did that guy weigh? Yeah. So that was kind of like his first suspicion. So he does try to get back into the building, but the guy won't let him in. Uh, so he had to sneak into the building and he... Because while all that's going on, right before he he tries to make his way, the the reverend, I guess you could call him, is doing a dissection of one of the victims. Yeah, it's a weird scene. So he then goes to the door, denies Rafi, Rafe, whatever his name is. Let's call him Dennis Miller. Dennis Miller sneaks up into uh, the autopsy room. He finds uh, Caleb's, one of his piercings, his earrings, whatever. And he brings it back to uh, Erica Laniac, where we're then introduced to Chris Sarandon as Reverend J.C. Yeah, he was pretty interesting as Reverend J.C. Reverend J.C. was a very interesting character. I I kind of got a kick out of him. He's one of those ministers you see on TV any, uh, every time late at night. Um, he has a guitar. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he has a little gimmick going for him. What? One thing I didn't know that the, uh, the name JC was supposed to be a nod to John Carpenter. And this guy, Christopher Sarandon Jr., guy who plays him, played Detective Mike Norris in Child's Play and voiced Jack Skellington in Nightmare Before Christmas, a movie we reviewed on this podcast. And he basically played a modernized 80s Dracula in Fright Night. And, so and he's playing like the opposite of his and Fright Night. Uh, or was nominated for Best Supporting Actor in Dog Day Afternoon. Great movie. He was, he was excellent in that. I think Chris Randers is a very underrated actor. Yeah, so they're setting up this big show because, yeah, his character is supposed to be like one of Reverend JC. He's supposed to be one of those TV reverends. One of those, like, TV reverends that really over-accentuates his love for God. You know, I love God. I'm not having sex with any of those church ladies. I'm those sinners. I'm a pure man. I've got the Lord's name. Anyways, what the fuck else happened here? So, because it's a movie. Yeah, like I said, he, um, like we mentioned, he goes to the job, presents the earring to, uh, Catherine. Catherine's like, all right, thank you for your time. And Dennis Spurs like, wait a minute. I found the earring. We still haven't found your brother. <laughs> like, my investigation's not over yet. Yeah, she just wants to drop him because it's like all big farce. Um, so he goes. He, the, he go. He goes back to the funeral parlor again. The guy lets him in. Um, yeah. He puts him in the coffin, and so then Dennis Miller's now at the whorehouse. Yeah, uh, talking he, to Tamara. Yep. So um, he takes her. I guess to that little torture room there, where they're gonna do. Um, you yeah. get Dennis Miller improv <laughs> when she takes off her gown he's like oh my god i was gonna almost gonna wear the same thing <laughs> yeah he uh so. ties her up is able to get away but unfortunately he drops his wallet and that's how Liz was able to find out who he is and you know is able to find him um dennis miller escapes i was this a part where Lilith also killed that uh you're looking for sex guy uh so, yeah i think she rips his head off because he wanted to get in on the action, something like that, and she yeah, just he, rips he, the Yeah, and he didn't want to do. And he didn't want to lure any more guys because he hates going outside because he's in daylight and he says it hurts. I am tired wearing a sunblock. Yeah. And she just rips his head off. He's like, ah, oh, you little baby. Yeah. She man, she man threw some puns in there too. Uh, Cause I, I thought the puns were for the crypt keeper. Yeah. So, Reef Dennis Miller tries to. Uh, go to the police about this and they just look at him like what the fuck is this guy on because in the end uh, there was no evidence that he could really uh, provide um so anyways at some point Catherine wants to do like a big documentary on this place so she, she films Lilith and tries to interview her by calling her all these nasty vile disgusting things and Dennis Miller tries to take a picture of the dead uh, vampire that we were just talking about. But that dead vampire was in a casket with another dead man. Yes, he, he, went tried... back, he went back to the uh, funeral place again. Well, first he went there with the cop and and they all, in, even uh, Catherine, they looked like he was crazy. So Dennis was like, fuck, you know, I, I need to show them some evidence. Right. So 
he followed them again when they were burying another body. And again, he sees like eight guys carrying this one casket. And what? in the middle of the newspaper, like this guy only weighed like a hundred something pounds. What's wrong right. with this picture? And, and there's one problem with his little theory. Vampires don't have reflections, so he films or takes pictures and it does not show the, the other vampire got his head ripped off. Nor does Catherine when she's filming uh, Lilith. Lilith doesn't show up on camera either, so it's just a big empty thing that she's interviewing. And then they come to the realization, oh shit. At the so, same time, at that uh, restaurant, cause she, like you mentioned, she's filming documentary. I think about sinners and like how women like expose themselves for these men, and it's wrong or some something like that. Um, the minister, the reverend, is at that rest is at that bar, that strip club, talking to uh, Vincent from earlier in the movie and uh, Lilith. Because apparently, from what we know, is that Re the Reverend hired Vincent to find Lilith so that they could rid the town of sinners or something? Was that their big plan? I guess. But I think it was also here that we find out that all the vampires can be easily killed with holy water. But in her case, she can't be killed unless you dissect her heart into four pieces. And it has to be outside of her chest. Yes. Again, it kind of goes back to Demonite. You know, the eyeball shit only works on low-level demons. Holy water only yeah. works on low-level vampires. Right. But in her case, it's just like, yeah, it is what it is. Now, so, yeah. They, now, they, they destroyed that key that was apparently keeping Lilith in line, and now she can be free roam to do whatever she wants. Uh, what exactly did she do differently later that she couldn't do before? Well, that's the thing. This key didn't really play a whole lot because Vincent really wasn't a primal character in this whole story. He was there, but he wasn't really there. It was mostly Lilith that and that Reverend. This yeah. little Vincent guy, he just was just there. And then he gets killed along with the Reverend. So, yeah. didn't the really mean much of yeah, before we jump to all that, um, as we mentioned, the investigation continues. Uh, first, Miller showed the pictures like, you know, this is impossible. There were two bodies in there, Catherine. She didn't believe him. But as she's editing her documentary, she's like, and the camera's like, wait a minute, weren't you talking to someone right there? That's when she was talking to Lilith, but it looked like she was just talking to herself. So then she realized, oh, shit, you know, Dennis Miller might be on to something. They're talking, and that's when he mentioned, what if what we're dealing with here is vampires? I don't know, just the way Dennis Miller delivered that line, I just laughed. Because mm. it's like, he knows deep down, this is fucking ridiculous. <laughs> well, yeah, the movie itself is ridiculous in and of itself. It was pretty out there. Um, and, and then that's when she gets a phone call from her brother, Caleb, uh, Corey Feldman. There, he says, I'm hiding in this uh, factory, this warehouse, wherever the hell he was. And then when Dennis, they went there, Dennis Miller was like, you know, Catherine, I wish your brother would have picked a less creepier place. <laughs> yep. And then come to find out that he became a vampire. He basically, it's kind of like what Corey Fone would have looked like if his character would have became a vampire in The Lost Boys. Pretty much. He's basically Kiefer, part of the Kiefer Sutherland crew. Except he's an adult here. Yeah, he's more grown up here. Way more grown up. And Lost Boys, I think he was still a child. He was like a or a teenager or whatever, yeah. But around this time, this was the mid-90s, because I know Corey Feldman took a break from acting because of his drug habits. 
Mm -hmm. So he was just getting back into the picture at this point. And unfortunately, this when this film bombed, Corey Feldman was kind of shocked by it because he's never done a he's never been part of a flop before. Have you seen all his movies in the eighties? They were all hits. They were all classics for the most part. Really, classics? Cult classics. Even then, cult classics. Did nobody see what was it? Jason Part Five that he was in. Part Four, yeah. No, Part Five. Part Four. Oh wait, he was oh. in Part Five for like a quick second. No, he was in Part Six for a quick second. Or wait, hold up. No, no, you're you're getting your movies confused. Part Four was when he he was. That's right. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. It was Part Four. He. Yeah, because part six was the one where Tommy Jarvis was an adult pretty much throughout the whole movie. And then part five was the one where, yeah, he's there for like a quick second and then it's Tommy Jarvis as an adult. Yeah, and the reason he was there for a quick second is because Spielberg was like, I don't want you doing these movies anymore. We need you for the Goonies. But so, those weren't really classics. What, Fred 13th? They weren't classics. They were cult, I mean, cult classics. I mean, they had the name. They had the name. That's literally all it was latching on to. And people may, people remember his character, I think, because of probably the big reveal in the end. He's bald. Jason! Well, that and because Tommy Jarvis was like the only recurring character other than Jason and and Mrs. Voorhees. But those movies were hits. Maybe class, not all everything he did with class. Yeah. He's ne he never had a flop, a major flop. Well, was this movie a major flop that we're reviewing today? Yes, it. Uh, I never. Oh, I never set the number. The budget was two point five million. It may have been a little more than that, and it only made five million at the box office. So it did make money, but not, I guess, enough. Not enough for them to continue going with their trilogy. They stopped after this. I'm about to look up the part four because I, I. Okay, box office is thirty three million. Uh, budget was two point six. I still think it's it's a cop out because that was a series that had established itself three movies straight. So you had a movie that was like already on its upswing. It, it would be like uh, I don't know if somebody guest starred on an album that was by a famous music artist. It's like well you're you're piggybacking on somebody who's already on an upswing or you know on a roll with successful albums he just happened to land on a successful franchise and then you tell me that they had to pull his ass out stand by me was like the really the only film other than lost boys that i'd seen him in in the 80s was he in the goonies as well he was in the goonies he did the burbs he did license to drive that was a comedy with him and Corey haim but yeah he's he was a success he was a name. People knew who he was. And this was his first flop, and this was kind of really the end of his movie career. Um, so anyway, um, they, end, they end up catching er Erica. Dennis Miller crashed through the window because <laughs> he, he didn't know how to tar Tarzan swing on a rope. Yeah, he, he overshot his uh, target, I guess. He overshot yeah, his landing mark, ended up crashing through the window. They capture Catherine. Dennis Miller is... Uh, Tied tied down to a bed in a hospital. Everybody thinks he's crazy with his vampire upside story. Upside down for some reason. He wasn't upside down. He was on his belly. That's literally upside down. Like literally, like backwards. Well, when you say upside down, I, I'm thinking he's like hanging from his legs. 
No, sorry, that wasn't semantically perfect, but come on. Like, he literally was not right side up. Yeah. He was tied down. Yeah. He was tied he... down on his face, which is like, why? <laughs> like, it's, the dude's gonna suffocate if his face is buried in blankets. He's able to escape, but as he escapes, that same vampire that he tied up to that, uh... That torture chamber came back to finish her job and kill him, but she <laughs> failed. The uh, the the sunlight killed her, and as her body explodes, there's another patient, uh, in that room, none other than Whoopi Goldberg. Yeah, telling her to keep it down. She wish she would have gotten a private room, and that was her cameo. That's when uh, Dennis Miller goes to the place and just completely goes through the front door with his car. And uh, is about to go on a rescue mission with his with the Reverend, and hands him a water gun, but it's full of holy water, and that's when he reminds him, it's not gonna work on Lilith. You gotta be a little bit more creative with her. So they go yeah, into, with her, yeah, they go into the room, just go on a killing spree, kind of like uh, uh, Expendables type of killing spree, where they're just spraying holy water on all the vampires. Very fun scene. Yeah, it's it's pretty cool. Everybody explodes. But now, as they're about to fight Lilith, Lilith is really strong. She kills the Reverend by snapping his arm off, literally off the bone, and then stabbing him with his own uh, knife, steak knife, I guess you could call it. So he comes in with an axe, one of those one of those like barbarian axes, uh, cuts her in half. But then she's able to disappear. Yeah. Well, I guess maybe that's what she can do now. Now that she's free, she can just like Houdini and just disappear since the key got destroyed. Right. And so but somehow before, they end up... I was going to say before that, he uh, killed off Corey Feldman with the water gun. Yeah, killed him with <laughs> the uh, holy gun. I, I thought his death was a little anticlimactic. I, know, I, th well, I, thought, I thought some of the henchmen got killed off too quickly. It didn't really matter because he didn't really play a significant role in this film other than leading into Catherine and Dennis Miller's relationship. That was really his purpose. Speaking of Catherine, she didn't really moan over the death of her brother at all. Was anybody? <laughs> I guess not. In the whole movie, she was looking for her brother. He turns to a vampire. They tied her up. But, you know, after she got untied, he would think, like, you know, have you seen Caleb? Oh, yeah, I, I sprayed him. He did. I think she knew <laughs> that he, he was not him anymore. He was a vampire. There's no bringing him back. All right. So, anyways, yeah, they, they somehow end up on the set where now the this Reverend me. bots and all that stuff. So, uh, the Reverend died, so they're going to go on TV to tell the world that they're vampires? Who the fuck's yeah, yeah. going to believe them? Uh, well, they're going to tell them, and then they're going to show them that it's real. They can't show them. You don't see their reflection when they're on TV. We established oh, that with the, with the documentary. Show, show them in a sense that you bite other people and then they disappear from the reflections. How the hell are you going to do that? You killed them all the vampires. You soaked them. Not exactly. I mean, if they may not be the only vampires in existence. I mean, think about how big this world is. I don't know. That's 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 a lot to prove within that those five minutes of airtime they're going to get. Well, that same five minutes of airtime is when all the crazy action was going on. Well, the action went on. Uh, she, like, Lilith, 
think, think of it this way. Let's say he didn't accomplish what we're about to discuss, and he actually kills this woman on camera or, or does whatever she does. All right, you may not be able to see Lilith, but Catherine's going to get bit, and she's going to turn into a vampire, and all that stuff's going to happen right in front of the camera, so her reflection's going to disappear anyway. So, yeah, it would have been proven via that way unless some people want to say it was all CGI. I don't know. I think that's a lot to prove within that small time span they had. Dennis Miller got handcuffed to the pole by the camera. Uh, Lilith and Kath Catherine had the little fight scene on stage just as she's about to kill Catherine. They had this little laser in their studio that they wanted to use to like kill off the double or something. But anyway, Dennis Miller uses it to put the cross on her Lilith's back. They think they defeated her, but she's still alive. She says, hey. You may split my heart to pieces, but if it's still in inside of me, like I'm still alive. And then she starts yeah. threatening Dennis Miller. Dennis Miller's like, "Honey, Schnookums, I was just joking about the dick train thing I said to you." Then, but then uh, uh, Catherine comes from behind with a pitchfork, whatever. With some sort of stake, and that just puts it through her heart, and then she explodes like everybody else. Well, well, and, she. And, well, don't forget the pun. She said, "Heartless bitch." Heartless bitch, yes. And it was at the end of the film where they're walking to their car, both her and Dennis Miller. And then he's about to grab onto her, like, sexually, and then come to find out, she was bit. In her thighs. In her thighs by who? Probably Corey Feldman. <laughs> It'll never know who bit her. <laughs> so then... Why did she kill uh, Lilith? That's, yeah, that's the that was my issue. I was like, all right, when did she get bit? I'm assuming when they captured her and they had her tied down to that torture chamber thingy. When uh, Lilith was, like, groping over her, I'm assuming that's when she bit her. Or maybe Corey bit her. Or maybe one of the other vampire whores bit her. I don't know. Well, it was never revealed. They just kind of did this just so they could have a, a twist in the end. What a twist! And eh, eh, they try to do your tales in a crit twist here. This is one of the weaker twists they've done. It was just they, they, they just did this just for the sake of doing it. Erica Catherine was a vampire in the end, and she bites Dennis Miller as the camera uh, rolls up to the sky and fades to black. Well, fades to black on that, but then we get the Crypt Keeper showing that he was completely beating this mummy in whatever game they were playing. Almost like a Russian roulette, that rock, paper, scissor. Yeah. And of course, the Crypt Keeper ends it with a pun, because it's just a mummy's head. He said, let's play again. Take my advice, pal. Quit Keep while you're ahead. Head. Yeah. He did Very punny. Crypt Keeper laughed into the credits. And that was Bordello of Blood. Guilty pleasure. It was funny. After I had finished watching it, I actually, this is going to sound crazy, I actually was saying to myself I enjoyed this more than Demon Knight. Really? But after discussing it and realizing a lot of the problems with this film, I'm kind of balking on it. Well, yeah, I feel like there was, they did cut out a lot of stuff. As I mentioned with um, Erica's backstory, her character, her being an ex-porn star. Like, I just felt like there was a lot of missing pieces here. It was never really exaggerated, like, what the key can do in this movie. And, like, 
like what's what's limiting Lilith with this key? What what can she do now that the key's destroyed that she couldn't do before? I mentioned that she did a little Houdini act when she just disappeared when Miller's Dennis Miller was gonna swing at her again with his little uh barbarian axe. Yes. I was like, why why couldn't she do that any other time? And we we already know she's strong because in the beginning when she got revived, she ripped that guy's heart out with her hand. And she kind of showed off her same strength again with the Reverend when she snapped his wrist. Yes. Um, there was no closure with Kathy and her brother Caleb. I mean, yeah, she's you know he's a vampire, but was it ever you know? But that's still her brother. I felt like we could at least got maybe a little more drama out of that. I mean, she even like when she she could find her brother's body and she could maybe cry, show off that serious dramatic stuff that Erica wanted. Was hoping kinda, she'd get out of a tales in the crypt. Hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up. Kind of hard to do that when it, like we've already established that none of it makes any sense. That she wants to be taken seriously as an actor when she wants to get into a comedy film, and on top of that, they didn't really establish their relationship beyond one argument they had with each other. Like, literally, that's the only scene they have together, is an argument. Yeah, yeah any, other, any other any other scenes they have together is when he's already a vampire, chasing her, and then when she's tied up. So but that's the only one-on-one scene they've ever had together. Was wait the a minute. A asking for more out of that? It's like, asking for more would be like, why are we even adding more when we didn't even add more previously? I'm just saying. Ugh. There wasn't much to really be said about that relationship. It was such a dead issue by halfway through the film. Yeah. Not a long movie. It's a very easy watch, I'll say that. I mean, I've, I've seen this film several times now. Um, I always had fun with this movie. Um, I don't care about the drama Dennis Miller had behind the scenes. He carried this film. I, I mean, for a lead character like Ralph, I feel like you do need a comedian to play this part. Because have you gotten just like a serious normal actor? I, I feel like he probably would have given a bland performance. Not a bad performance, just bland. I do feel like Dennis Miller is a lot of improv. I think really helped this film. A lot of his comedy he did here worked for me. Luckily, he's good at improv because some people are not good at improv. And even the ones that are good at improv, the people that they're working with may not be good at it and may not make it flow right. That's thing when you've got scripted actors and then you got one guy who's allowed to just go off the cuff with whatever he wants to say yeah and Corey Feldman told the story when him and Dennis Miller on the phone when they first introduced you you know hey we're gonna be working together Dennis like so what do you think of the script and you know of course like you know I think it'd be a lot of fun you know we can make this work Dennis like yeah I don't like any of the lines and I'm just gonna say what I want that's basically what he did and the producer mentioned like you know there were key points that Dennis Miller you know would ignore because he kept doing his improv I don't know what exactly was ignored. I mean, besides, I just mentioned, you know, with uh, Catherine's backstory. But um, again, his improv worked for me. It did. I liked it. Yeah, but probably that came at the expense of having this film make any blessed sense whatsoever. Yeah, that could be. Yeah. I so. I would like I would like to have I would love to read the original draft of this. To see what well, we you know, everything that was missing or was supposed to be incorporated that they have to cut out for whatever time reasons, actor's choice, whatever. They probably threw that shit out because apparently this film was such a failure. I'm assuming this is not a film that got reissued a lot. 
No, I mean, I know it has a shelf factory. They, um, I mean, shelf factory is awesome. They do a lot of all the Blu-ray uh, documentary editions. The documentary stuff, I, everything I told you, I learned from that. Very informative. Yeah, I just wish this movie could have been more. Because I, I, I do, because it is a fun movie. Is it Demon Knight good? I don't think so, in my opinion. I, I feel like there was more effort put into Demon Knight. Could have been because of the story itself. I mean, especially the lore of the key. I mean, as I mentioned here, the key um, prop was used a lot better in that film than this film. I mean, the key was a, was a very vital uh, ingredient to the story of a Demon Knight. As a hero, it's just like, ah, you know, we have this thing. Let's just use it again for something. Yeah. It, it, really, gotta, it, it really got devalued. Yeah, got to keep this key relevant. Got to keep it. In front of the screen, even though we have no idea what to do with it, because, well, the story that we have written for it doesn't really play a key component to this key. I don't know, I, I don't know exactly why I wouldn't want it more. Maybe, I don't know. Because there's a lot of stuff I liked, but again, at the end of the day, out of, you know, this and Demon Knight, I would still pick Demon Knight. Now, reviewing this, yeah, I guess Demon Knight is the better film, logically. Now that we've come to the conclusion that, uh, they had to remove one key thing of the film because one of the actresses wasn't comfortable for some odd reason. She wanted to be taken more seriously and not be a sex symbol, so she decided to nix a character that was literally doing almost verbatim what she was doing in real life. Makes total sense. Thumbs up or thumbs down? It's like, I'm, I'm in agreement with you. This is a very easy to watch film. It, it definitely kept my attention. It didn't bore me at all. So I definitely got to go slightly up, but there is a lot of issues that needed to be worked out before this film became better than Demon Knight. And it's sad because I I do feel like um, what they originally had for the Tales of the Crypt trilogy films could have been so, a lot of fun stuff. Not saying they would be making like Avengers money, but I felt like, you know, you had they had a, a plan. Let's do three Tales of the Crypt films. Each film is its own story. I guess we could use this key in all three films just to kind of... I wouldn't even say tie it all together because you really don't need the key. As long as you have the Crypt Keeper, that's all you need. Right. But uh, Demon Knight was a lot of fun. But originally, as I mentioned, I was supposed to be the second film of a planned trilogy. They went with Demon Knight first. They lost from Dust Till Dawn. Another film that they wanted was uh, The Frighteners. I don't know if you ever heard of that one with Michael J. Fox. No. That was supposed to be a Tales of the Crypt movie, but that's another one I want to review because I think that movie's a lot of fun, and you'll like that one. I also heard a rumor that the film Death Becomes Her with Meryl Streep and Bruce Willis was also originally pitched at one point to be a Tales of the Crypt movie. I've seen that. It was all right. Eh, I guess. I don't know. But um, the trilogy could have been so much more than what we've got. So, I'm assuming because this movie failed, it's why we didn't get a third film. Or did we? Or did we? It's This is starting to sound like, uh, what was it, that game that Angry Video Game Nerd reviewed for the Atari? It was supposed to be four different elements. And, but these games were like puzzle games, and if you actually figured out the puzzle, you were brought to... Uh, what was it called? To the person that's offset? Sword Quest, there we go. Sword Quest was a game that was supposed to be based on mythology. 
and they released two games. No, I'm sorry, three games. It was supposed to be four. And every game, if you figured out the puzzle, because they would give you like clues and you had a book, you would get brought onto the studio and you would compete with other people who had solved the puzzle and whoever won would earn themselves a piece of a chalice or whatever. One was like a sword, one was a crown, one that. And all four of the winners of these particular games would then come back. And then you also got prize money too. They would come back for one final uh, game to, to compete in, which would only be given to those four. Two of the games actually had winners. The third game, because of the video game market crash, that contest never happened, and the fourth game never got released. And the other two pieces of the treasure was never handed out, but they were on display. So it's a little interesting what would have happened. The video game crash never took place. Same thing here. If this movie didn't fuck up, would they, we have a third movie? Well, apparently we did. Sort of. Sort of. 2001, there was a movie called Ritual. Uh, Tim Curry's in it. He, he co-stars. Uh, Jennifer Grey's the lead. Uh, for those that don't know, she's in uh, Ferris Bueller's Day Off. She plays Ferris Bueller's sister. She did Dirty Dancing with Patrick Swayze, but she's the lead in that movie. They, they made it. They shot it. During post-production, they repackaged it as a Tales from the Crypt movie. So technically, there is a third one. Huh. Interesting. Will we review it? I don't know because I have no idea where you can watch it. It might even be on YouTube. I don't know because it, it was a movie that just kind of came out. And it was gone. Never heard never heard about it again. Unless you like did your research. No. So there technically is a third one. And as I mentioned, Demon Knight is as good as it's going to get because it goes downhill from there. And it does. Modelo Blood doesn't reach up to the level of Demon Knight, but I still think it's a fun movie. Like, again, I think it balances out the comedy and the horror pretty well. Definitely more comedy than horror. Oh, yeah. This is definitely a goofball type of film. A lot and of I, nudity. And I'm okay with movies like this. I kind of I feel like these types of movies are missing in today's Hollywood. I'm going to warn like everybody. everybody wants... Go ahead. I was going to say, I'm going to warn everybody. A lot of nudity in this film. Yes. Plenty I mean, of and if you're a fan of the series, that's what it's known for. It's nudity, it's violence, it's gore, it's graphic. So as a Crip fan, you already know what you're going to be getting. Yeah, gore wasn't that outrageous. It wasn't like... There was like two or three gore scenes, maybe, at most. And even then, it, I think anybody could have stomached it. No pun intended, I guess. But uh, the quality for Ritual, I think that movie's terrible, but... Will we reveal one day just to co- kind of complete the whole Tales in the Crypt chapter? Eh, maybe. Maybe. I mean, we still haven't watched. Wasn't there another Wishmaster we were supposed to watch that we never there's got two. around to? Yeah, there's two other ones. They're, they're, they're available in Tubi. Yeah, uh, I don't know. If, I think you warned me that they, it wasn't good. And then there's other vamp bikers that we haven't watched, Dos and Tres, which... I'm flat out refusing to watch. Yeah, I'm right. Yeah, that's that's a refusal. Though that's not happening. <laughs> we always know that movies go downhill after the first one, and if the first one is shit, you could just imagine where the series goes from there. Yeah, but overall, um, 
Bradella Blood, Demon Knight 2, they're currently streaming on Shudder. Um, I would recommend it. You know what? Why not? If you got like 90, it's not even a full 90 minute movie. If you got 90 minutes to kill, it's a fun movie. It's, I mean, I, I feel like I was going to say with today's horror films, everybody tries, wants to be like, get out. They all want to do that smart, you know, thinking horror film. But nobody wants to do Reanimator. Nobody wants to do Bordello Blood. Nobody wants to do Demon Knight. Everybody wants to do Get Out. They all want to make that that A24 type horror movie. They they all want to do those psychological thrillers. It's okay to it's do just, a dumb horror movie. I want to have fun. Yeah, well. And and the funny thing is is that some people who are trying to be the smart films are actually not that smart to begin with. Exactly. Like M. Night Shyamalan, for example. Great example. Look at look at his movies. He tries way too hard. It's way too hard to think that, oh my god, I'm going to swerve the audience. Yeah, well, Vince Russo also tried the same thing, not realizing that his swerves made absolutely no fucking sense. Think about it. Did, did we review Devil on this goddamn podcast? Remember, yeah, the elevator. Yeah, we talked about all that. Yeah, like an old woman was the freaking devil. Like, oh, wow, that was a twist. Why? Yeah. That's that's a review worth listening, guys. Go check that one out. A piece of toast. Jelly side down or jelly side up or whatever is when you know Diablo is here. And, and we haven't even gotten to, to reviewing like Lady in the Water, one of his even more pan films, or The Last Airbender. Oh, God. Well, I think that's going to do it for uh, this episode. Any final words? Any final thoughts? Yeah, this movie ate my heart out for sure. It's a, it's a good one. I definitely recommend it. Yeah, it's not perfect though. It's not perfect. It's dumb. It's a dumb movie. That's all I gotta say. Uh, I know Dennis Miller doesn't like bring uh, when people bring this movie up to him, but he did say filming the uh, (laughs) the holy water scene, the soaking up the girls at 3 a.m. was a highlight for him. I wonder why. Yeah. Oh God. Can't imagine why anybody would want to be up at three in the morning spraying women with holy water. Naked women, nonetheless. Yeah, naked, topless woman squirting him with water guns. I mean, shit. Yeah, squirting him yeah, with his water gun. <laughs> <laughs> Look at you. Look at you, Mr. Kirk Keeper with the puns. Yeah. Very punny today. <laughs> well, guys, that's going to do it. Catch you on the flip side, yo. And quit while you're ahead. <laughs>